Hi everybody, thanks for joining with us for our first online liturgy of 2022. And as we begin our time together, I want to take a moment to let you know a bit of what's happening in our community this week. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. Wherever you are watching this video, a link to the viewpoint should be close by. And if you are new with us here in this digital space, we'd love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of the viewpoint along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you are joining with us, may your hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites you to bring all that you are and all that you're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Welcome to another online liturgy, and not just any online liturgy, but here in the season of Christmas, where we are celebrating Christ's birth. And so let's read together on our screen the Christmas Collect for this weekend. Almighty God, you have shed upon us the new light of your incarnate word. May this light, enkindled in our hearts, shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. i 
Take this time now to turn to someone else with you or send a message to someone sharing these words of blessing in the reality of Christ our salvation being born. Say, may the peace of Christ be with you and respond and also with you. As we start a new year, we might think, oh my gosh, 2021 was so crazy and different and unusual. What are we in for in 2022? I think this is a fair and perhaps inevitable question for this time we are in. We could also add an additional wrinkle and ask, how is God, our Father in Heaven, going to lead us through the year 2022? One of my favorite verses in Bible college a long time ago was many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Maybe we could start off the new year thinking about what the purposes of God will be for us and our church in 2022. What is it that God wants to shape and form in each one of us? We know that it will be a holy purpose, a purpose full of the goodness of His Holy Spirit. It will be a purpose to join Him in his healing and helping work in our community and the world. So God is inviting us, welcoming us with open arms into his kingdom and ways each and every day. Let's remember that as we pray at the beginning of 2022, the way that Jesus encouraged us to pray to him, not as a rope prayer, but a prayer that helps us walk close to the one who wants to love the world through the cross. So pray with me now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Oh, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, it's a privilege again for me to be here. And uh, wherever you are online, I just trust that God's presence will meet with you, that it'll be his voice you hear, not mine, by the time we're done. And that, in fact, uh, although you be challenged, I trust that if you listen through the whole thing, you will be lifted by the Spirit, encouraged and challenged, but embraced by the Spirit of God. But I, I am going to challenge you, as I said. Um, today I want to talk about the idea, uh, here we are in the new year, of your attitude. And, and in fact, choosing the attitude that Christ would want you to have in every circumstance, with every situation, whatever the Lord has allowed in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, there's this desire of God that you would choose an attitude that's Christ-like. Um, I had the privilege of seeing my father just recently. I was over uh, visiting, and he's uh, getting older, and quite frankly, I don't think he's long for this world. But as I chatted with him about life and just how quickly it had gone from him being a young man to the very end of life, he was processing about how you really should look at life as to what it will be when you're finished. What will you have left? What's your legacy? What, what relationships will you have had? What encouragement has you given? Have you shared the gospel? Have you loved people? Because you're quickly at the end, he said, and then eternity. And you should really, in fact, not that I should shoot on you, but you should really begin with the end in mind. I mean, I talk to my athletes all the time. They, they start a season with the end in mind, winning a championship, or, or a kid starts his sporting journey, and, and he's already dreaming about being in the NHL or the NBA or whatever his sport is or her sport. But by starting with the end in mind, you tend to stay focused on the thing that matters most. And Jesus did that. You see, he came as a little baby. We celebrated that just a few days ago. But as he grew, he did everything with the end in mind. That he was going to give his life that you would have forgiveness. That you would be welcomed into the family of God. That you would have eternity. And while you're here, you would have belonging and hope and peace and joy and those are not just words that's a reality but jesus knew it would cost him his life death on the cross in the grave for three days before he'd rise again and in the end really his joy was that he was thinking about eternity eternity with you and i and with as many as would give their life to him but let's back up a little Let's talk into your world at this moment. I want you to have the end in mind. I want you to have eternity in mind. And, and I want you to have end of life in mind and looking back and going, what, what did God do through me for others? How did he form me to be who he designed me to be? What was my attitude? I want to walk through attitude in lots of different situations. I, I want to start with this idea, though, that attitude determines your action. 
your belief will determine your behavior and your outlook will determine the outcome most of the time. James 1 says this impossible thing, and yet it's, it's a command. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you read in Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Like you're doing it for God, not for men, because in fact it is God you are serving. This attitude of joy, this attitude of service, it, it's embedded in everything that God designed us to be involved with. It says whatever your hand finds to do, but that in, in fact every aspect of you, your relationships, your vocation, your sport, your, your um, teaching, your being taught, your recreation, whatever it is, everything, everything is spiritual because God is involved always. And so what's the attitude? The attitude is that we would be like Christ and we would serve. Let me read for you 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever Amen. You know, it's funny, attitude is, is something that you can put on when there's not much pressure. And yet, both example and commandment and Christ himself is the ultimate example. Says it, when the pressure is greatest, stand up in his strength with an attitude that he would desire. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. We got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are about to be put into the fire if they don't bow down and worship this image. But they want to do the right thing. They have a heart after God, but their attitude is one that says, no matter what happens, I will do the right thing. I will follow God's desire, not man's pressure. So listen to these words as they are about to either be thrown into the fire or fall under the pressure. This is what they say. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Their attitude is one of walking after the God they love and serve. You see, attitude is this perspective. It's a viewpoint. And we're going to look at a bunch of really important scripture after this, but I want to start with a story and it is a true story. It, it's not out of one of your Bible readings. 
but I think you will appreciate when we're done, as we lean into the truth of Scripture, we can reflect to this story. Michael is the kind of guy you love to hate. He's always in a good mood and always has something positive to say. When someone would ask him how he was doing, he would reply, if I were any better, I'd be twins. He was a natural motivator. If an employee was having a bad day, Michael was there telling the employee how to look on the positive side of the situation. Seeing this style really made me curious. So one day I went up to Michael and I asked him, I don't get it. You can't be a positive person all the time. How do you do it? Michael replied, each morning I wake up and I say to myself, you have two choices today. You can choose to be in a good mood or you can choose to be in a bad mood. I choose to be in a good mood. Each time something bad happens, I choose to be the victim or I can choose to learn from it. I choose to learn from it. Every time someone comes to me complaining, I can choose to accept their complaining or I can point out the positive side of life and I choose the positive side of life. Yeah, right, it's not that easy, I protested. Yes, it is, Michael said. Life is all about choices. When you cut away all the junk, every situation is a choice. You choose how you react to situations. You choose how people affect your mood. You choose to be in a good mood or a bad mood. The bottom line is, it's your choice how you live your life. I reflected on what Michael said, and soon hereafter, I left the tower industry to start my own business. We lost touch, but I often thought about him when I made a choice about life instead of reacting to it. Several years later, I heard that Michael was involved in a serious accident, falling some 60 feet from a communications tower. After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Michael was released from the hospital with rods placed in his back. I saw Michael about six months after the accident. When I asked him how he was, he replied, if I were any better, I'd be twins. Want to see my scars? I declined to see his wounds, but I did ask him what had gone through his mind as the accident took place. He said, the first thing that went through my mind was the well-being of my soon-to-be-born daughter. Then as I lay on the ground, I remembered that I had two choices. I could choose to live or I could choose to die. I chose to live. Weren't you scared? Did you lose consciousness, I asked. Michael continued, the paramedics were great. They kept telling me I was going to be fine. But when they wheeled me into the ER and I saw the expressions on the faces of the doctors and nurses, I got really scared. In their eyes, I read, he's a dead man. I knew I needed to take action. What did you do, I asked. Well, there was this big burly nurse shouting questions at me, said Michael. She asked if I was allergic to anything. Yes, I replied. The doctors and nurses stopped working as they waited for my reply. I took a deep breath and yelled, gravity. Over their laughter, I told them I'm choosing to live. Operate on me as if I'm alive, not dead. Michael lived, thanks to God's mercy, of course, to the skill of the doctors, but also because of his amazing attitude. I learned from him every day that we have the choice to live fully. Attitude, after all, is everything. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
I hope you recognize that quote. That was Jesus. You see, after all, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. But this is more of a motivational story as it's written. And yet I want you to catch a point. I want you to understand that you do get to choose. You get to choose to follow God or not. You get to choose to let the Spirit empower you or not. You get to choose to let circumstance dictate or the truth of eternity. And the great thing is when we as believers who cry out to the Lord try to have an attitude of joy, of peace, of love, of care, we are not alone. It's not just this conjured up self-motivation. What happens is God says, I am asking you to have an attitude of gratitude. I'm asking you to choose joy. I'm asking you to be like my son Jesus and have humility. These are impossible to do at your core except through the power of Jesus Christ. We're beginning a new year. And we have had some difficulties. And Jesus says, you want to be the light and the salt in this world, then your attitude better be that of Jesus. But he doesn't leave you alone. He says, I'm with you. Let me, let me give you a few scripture of the idea that trying to do this by buckling your chin strap isn't going to make it happen. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards guard, they stand watch in vain. You know the verses out of Philippians 4. I'm sure you know 13. It says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. But he was talking about living and understanding what it was like to have plenty and then to be in need. And he said, no, I've been content in all of this. And the reason I can have contentment is because of Christ. I, I want you to understand, first of all, just how God wants to infuse in your life. And then we're going to talk about what that should do, could do, and will do, not just for your attitude, but for the actions that follow. If you're at home, I don't want you to fall asleep, but I would challenge you to close your eyes and imagine, as these words are spoken of Isaiah, that this is the message of truth of the God who loves you. Here it is. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. And this God that will strengthen you, he loves you more than you can imagine. 
We live in a world that is just lost, desperately trying to find love like each of us. We want to be loved unconditionally and we feel like we're not worthy or we can't find it and we search everywhere. Here is Paul addressing the depth of God's love and here's his prayer. Let me pray this over you. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and to Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what have I said so far? What has God's word said? What has his spirit said? Well, the reality is that we need an attitude like Jesus. He commands it and he begs us to have it, but he also strengthens us so that we might live that way. Without knowing God's love, you cannot give it. Because you cannot give what you do not have. You can't do it. But if you start to grasp how desperately God wants to spend eternity with you. I said at the beginning that we want to we begin whatever it is we're beginning. A relationship, a relationship with God, uh, your, your career, your vocation. You always want to begin with the end in mind. And God says the journey that I want you to have, I want you to think in light of the end. An eternity where there's no more pain and no more sorrow and no more brokenness, where there's joy and community, where we're fully who he designed us to be. And he wants us to fellowship with him for eternity. That's the ultimate end. His, his message of hope that came on the cross was so that we might have that eternity with him. I've said it before, when Christ died, he said, I love you this much. If you can grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God, you will be filled with the fullness of God. Now what will it do? I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll change your attitude on everything, but more importantly on every one. What does is, what is the great commandment say? It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I can't even love God properly unless I receive his love. I can't desperately, I can't love myself if I don't understand how God sees me. And in, 
And when I get that, when I understand that God's love is so rich and deep and undeserved and yet overwhelmingly given, then he says, if you're going to accept that love, others like you love yourself, like give of yourself, have an attitude that they matter. All of us matter. We as collective humanity need forgiveness. People are desperate for hope, for peace and for joy, for purpose and belonging. And guess what? If you get the gospel, if you've accepted Christ, if it's not just head knowledge, but you have received him and it has, the gospel has started to expand inside your heart to you can't hold in that love then your attitude is such that you have to love others. You can't hold it back. Paul writes in Romans, he says, for the love of God compels me. It moves me there. How dare you hold it to yourself if you understand it? The Great Commission. Go therefore into all the world, making disciples, teaching them everything that I've shown you. Let me just explain. You can't give what you don't have. You've got to know what the commandments are. What did Jesus teach? What is the gospel? How do, how do I live this life? But we live in a world where people don't know the gospel. And those that hear the gospel that are young in their faith are desperate for someone to show them, how do I live this out? I'm, I'm just going to make sure that I read these words just right. This is when I'm recording and you're there listening. You're wondering why I'm struggling on this. But I just want you to hear it exactly the way it's written. When they saw him, they worshipped him. They see Jesus, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's one thing to obey. That is really what we're asked to do. But there is another thing in it. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that says, I'm not just going to try and do the right thing. I'm going to do it with the right heart. And God, would you just show me how much you love me so that I might love others? Show me what you did on the cross so I might serve others. Show me how much in the end you want to give me so that when things are not the way I want them to be and I'm in pain and I'm struggling and I'm lonely, that you go, this is not the end. I have you. And I'm with you now. I, I can't help myself that I... I live with my heart on my sleeve. 
it's not always great, and I'm certainly not perfect. But when I'm clear about the gospel, when I'm clear-eyed and clear-hearted about how much God loves me, but it's not just me that he wants to spend eternity with. There are all of his people that he created that he aches to have with him in eternity. He wants to form us. I, he, he's going to use circumstance to transform my life. That's why he says, consider it joy. But, but in that journey of him forming you, he wants to use you, not when you're all perfect, but while you're in the journey. While you're being loved on and you're flawed and you're broken and you're crying out, he wants you to be light and life and love to the world. And he wants your attitude to be like his son Jesus. Who loved you and everyone in your community this much. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for this moment today where I trust that you will have spoken. I ask that you would step into the world and when people cry out that they would hear you answer, they would know you are there, that they would understand your forgiveness, they would receive your love, and then as they receive it, would you give us an attitude that would let us Give us freedom to give it away. Let us be light. Lord, to have joy, that's supernatural. To have peace that transcends understanding, that's supernatural. Because it is you. You're the one that brings truth to that. And so, Lord, adjust our attitude. Help us to begin again today with the end in mind. Amen.